He wants us to get comfortable. He wants us to get used to the world around us. He wants, to, he wants us to get used to all the death happening around us. He wants us to get used to all the sickness breaking out in our city. He wants us to, to, to have the mentality that, 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 that God's going to do something without me being a part of it. But can I tell you that God is actually going to bring revival through the church, that God's actually going to do it through you, no one else, because he's calling us to a higher calling and a higher purpose. Paul says we're co-workers in this thing. We're co-workers in this gospel. What does that mean? We're, we all can't work at the church. A lot of us are teachers. A lot of us work at construction. A lot of us are entrepreneurs and businessmen and, and maybe you work for a company and maybe you're a secretary or maybe you're a barista or maybe you're, 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 you're a student or maybe you're here and, and you're a stay-at-home mom or maybe you're, you're, you're a truck driver in this place. We have so many different types of people, but our church will go into park when we leave all of the spiritual stuff to the church people. We, we go into park when we say, I'm only going to come to church and receive. I'm only going to, in this Christian walk, just be led by people instead of being led by Jesus. So what Paul says, he says, we're co-workers. You're not just a barista. You're a Christian barista. You can change lives with that coffee you're making. Come on, can I get an amen? You're not just a truck driver. No, 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 no. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God over you. Everywhere you go, you are a walking ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're not just a teacher. There are just teachers out there, but you are, oh, you're a world changer. Oh, you're going to lead those students not only to learn, but to love. And you're the example of Jesus wherever you're at. I love saying this. You're probably the only Jesus people will see this week. This week, you're probably the only church people will ever have. And the enemy wants us to go on park, but I came to encourage you guys, we are called to something greater. Our purpose is something huge. If your plan for your life is feasible, if it's imaginable, that's probably not the plan of God for your life. God's plan for us, it says he has things that we haven't even seen, we haven't even heard. His plan is unimaginable. We can't even think, we can't even fathom what God has for us. But sometimes we get so controlling with our lives. We get so controlling with what we do and everything we are, and literally we go on park. But today, the Holy Spirit is telling me to speak to you on this idea that God's calling you to something greater. God's calling you to something higher. That there's a purpose over your life. That you weren't called to be like everyone else. You were called to be you. God made you an individual. And he has a purpose and plan for your life. And maybe you felt like, oh man, I, I served God before and I can't really do what I used to do. I, I used to be desperate. I used to, I used to, I used to. Man, we serve a God that, that has a great future for us, that has a great calling for us. Everyone is one step away of everything changing. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about a story. I remember the first time my dad kind of talked to me about the gospel. I mean, like, in an intimate way. I'm a church kid. Uh, PG. How many of you guys love the pastor of the house, PG? Pastor Gabby? It's my dad. I learned everything from him. But there was a moment in my life that he sat me and my brother on the kitchen counter. This is where we used to live, uh, like Pastor Ariel says, on an unpleasant hill. Come on, I used to live in Pointiana in an unpleasant hill. You like that? Uh, we're writing a petition. <laughs> we could change the name of that road. Uh, I remember I lived in Pointiana, uh, uh, like uh, Village Six, like really just yeah, we're, you know where demons hang out, right? Really back there, and and <laughs> so you guys are like what? Uh, yeah. 
So <laughs> me and my family, we had a really far, whatever. I'm in this house, and I'm with my dad and my brother, and it's just us three. And see, growing up in the church, I hear my dad preach the gospel every single week. Every single week of my life, I heard my dad preach the gospel. Um, but there was one moment that stuck with me that my dad sat me down and spoke the gospel in, in an intimate way. You guys already see what I'm saying. That, like, like sometimes the biggest message of Jesus to your kids and to your family is the message of your life and not so much with the words. So he sat us down and he showed us the love of God. And he, I remember he, he pulled out a pencil because we had some questions. We were like, so what, how did everything happen? And, and I was probably in middle school, probably sixth grade. And he sits us around this table. I remember uh, it was kind of nighttime. It was just me, my brother, and my dad. So he, he, draws the, he, he draws a circle of the earth. Again, this, you know, my dad's not an artist, right? These uh, stick figures and circles and shapes. He's amazing. So he draws a circle. He's like, this is the earth. And he, he writes down, he, he draws a throne, he says, this is God. And then what happens is, is, is we're this man, so he draws, he draws Adam and Eve, right, two stick figures on the earth, and then he shows God and his excellence, and he shows Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and what he did was, he showed that, he pointed an arrow from the earth to, to heaven, and, he, and that arrow, you know what he said? He said, this is what religion is, us trying to get to heaven us trying to take steps, us thinking that we can actually work for God to love us. That you can do some things and God will say, oh, I love you so much more today because you did something. I love you so much more because you actually did. No, 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 no. He said that we can never work for this grace. We can never work our way to heaven. We can never work our way to receive Jesus. All we must do is realize that he takes an arrow. He draws from heaven, the throne of God, to earth. He says, this is the movement we need to be focused on. Because some of us are trying to run and buy and work our way to heaven when we're overlooking that God already made a way. So he draws an arrow from heaven to earth. He says, this right here at the end of the, at the, end of the arrow, he draws Jesus. He draws Jesus, he puts a circle, he puts, you know, kind of long hair, you know. And then it's Adam and Eve, picture it, it's the circle globe, Adam, Eve, Jesus with an arrow. And he takes a red marker out. And then he draws Jesus red. And he said, but he, he didn't, it didn't come for free. Jesus came with a price. He, he actually came to die. So that these two stick figures can have a way to heaven and as he's as he's tapping on the Jesus figure I see tears falling on the on the paper and he's he's just circling Jesus and circling Jesus and circling Jesus and circling Jesus and crying and me and my brother are like are we gonna cry <laughs> you know what I'm saying that awkward moment when your parent cries and you're like what I'm like, are we gonna cry I remember I started getting emotional I'm like I, it clicked in my head. It clicked in my head. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I'm a 23-year-old pastor. I don't know how I got here. God is good, amen. This is weird. As a 23-year-old pastor, can I tell you my goal? Our church goal is that you come back next week. That's our church goal. That's our leadership goal. We understand that in this house. Our goal is that you would come back next Sunday. But here's my goal as a pastor when I'm preaching. My, 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 my goal is that you would that I would introduce you to Jesus and that your life would be that circle moment 
of everything revolves around the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That everything we do, everything, everywhere we go, everyone we talk to, our life must be scandalized by this one truth that God sent his perfect son to die for imperfect people. And from the beginning, middle school, I've been installed that. Like, man, Jesus wrecks me. Like, every Sunday should feel like it's Holy Communion. God, I'm remembering what you did for me. I'm remembering who you are. And I know you're coming back again. I'm called to a higher calling and a higher purpose. And that, that story wrecked me. I want to read to you really quickly. First John chapter 2. Verses 15 to 17. Oh my God, these verses are so powerful. Oh my God, if you would just receive these verses, it'll do most of the preaching today. It says this, do not love this world. This is speaking to someone who for the whole Revelation series has been a contradiction to your morals. Because everything you've built your life up is to make this life better. But the book of Revelation showed you there's so much life after you die. It's not ending here. There was a big phrase coming up with youth. And I just heard it all the time. You only live once. You only live once. You only live once. Do everything you can now. Get all the money you can now. Get all the possessions you can now. Do everything. Come on. And that's not true. We know. You don't, act, you don't live once. You actually live twice. The Bible calls, when, when, when everyone, remember the third pillar, when everyone kind of goes one way or the other, the Bible calls that the second death. Like there is an actual, another life out there. And, 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 and this verse, John's like, yo, do not love this world. You are not from this world. You're an alien. Did you know that? You're an alien called by someone who's bigger. Come on, you're only on this earth for a purpose, and God's going to call you back up. Do not love this world, nor the things that it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are, but are from this world, and this world is fading away. We understand that. We studied that. This world is fading away. Next verse. Along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, if I'm called for a higher calling and a higher purpose, that means, here's my next point, that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it, right? I'm in the world, and yeah, they offer me all these pleasures, right? And I love how they make it simple. The pleasures of the world, man, that's not what God has for you. God has a different type of pleasure called the peace, the joy, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And there's just like these polarities that we, we, we struggle with. There's these polarities. Here's one of the polarities. We can either settle for a quick fix or we can run towards fulfillment. In the world, not of the world. Meaning, I can't settle for these quick fixes. I need to jump into a life of fulfillment. Maybe you're dealing with addictions today. Maybe you came in this room chained to something. Can I let you know that the life of Jesus is a life of freedom? The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have freedom from your addiction. Your addiction is not bigger than you. Your addiction is not bigger than your God. You need to tap into the presence. Tap into Jesus. Us, tap into the spirit to break away from these things 
Because you know what? These things will tie you down. You're trying to swim to God with a weight of addiction because you're running to the fixes of the world instead of jumping into the fulfillment of Jesus. Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Y'all, here's another one. The, the, the world offers a buzz. God offers passion. Here's, here's a quick buzz. If you do this, it's buzz and buzzing, but I don't want to be buzzed out. Bzz, bzz. It may crave for a moment, but man, I want to live with passion. I don't want to be driven to a buzz. I want to be driven to the things of the Lord. That I will run and not go weary. That I will fly like eagle's wings. Come on. I want to experience that in my life. And I can't do that running and ordinating in the way of the world. We can't do it. Here's another crave. Like, like it says in John, another crave is, is to feel numb. Maybe the enemy has you strapped to something that's making you feel numb. But God wants to offer you peace. Being numb says, oh, what can I do to, to, to not feel this anymore? Peace says, in the middle of all these feelings, in the middle of all this turmoil, God can bring peace into my life right where I'm at. I got peace in my pocket. I got Jesus in my heart. I'm good. And, 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 and the world, here's another one. The, the world offers you, hey, here's an opportunity for you to be superior. Jesus offers security. Jesus says, no, 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 you're not the superior you're not you're not the leader i'm your leader i'm your master you know what that also makes me that makes me your defender that makes me your father that makes me your master not only am i behind you pushing you forward but i'm in front of you leading the way the entire time my job is to introduce you to jesus my job isn't always to you know bring all these creative sermons yeah these creative sermons are great but the foundation of every sermon we preach here is Jesus Christ we got to be scandalized by Jesus Christ we got to be we got to be motivated by Jesus we need to wake up and see the cross we need to wake up and see his purpose for our life but maybe I don't know if you talk to people I've gone to church I have I haven't gone to church in 10 years because they're all hypocrites you ever heard that before I'm not going to go to church because the people who serve God aren't really serving God. Can I tell you, if, if, if anyone's ever said that, that's a, that's a weak statement. That's a weak statement. That's very weak of a person to say, I'm not going to go to church because they're all full of hypocrites. There's, there's something bad to say about everything. You know that. Everything in your life, there's a good and then you can find the bad in it. You know that. Why? Because there's sin in the world. There's evil. There's us, right? We're not perfect. And, and we could tend to look at things and say, oh, I'm not going to jump into leadership because leaders are this, leaders are that. No, 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 no. You're weak. You're weak. You're looking at the wrong thing. We serve because of our love for Jesus, not because of an example of people who have fallen off. I, I, I go through this every week with high schoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers. They think they're the coolest guy in the school because they text all the girls, right? And they got all the numbers. No, you're not strong because you just go with everything you feel like doing. You're actually weak. The strong ones are the kids who are holding down their hormones, holding down their peer pressure, and are reading the Bible on the bus, and are worshiping God and praying in lunch. Those are the strong ones because you can run with your feelings. You can run with your desire for the world, or you can starve those things and build up a stronger man within you. My next idea, don't look to Christians to figure out Christianity. Look to Jesus. 
Yes, there's leaders in here. Yes, there's pastors in here that, man, you can look. I have spiritual fathers in the faith. I got spiritual leaders that are ahead of me, and y'all look up to them. But I do not look at them as the model. I look at Jesus as the model. Yes, they help me and assist me, but the ultimate leader, the ultimate master is Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today. We're like, man, we need to fall in love with Jesus again. Maybe, maybe you need to realign your life and have Jesus as the center. And here's the truth. I heard the story. This messed me up. Infancy in God is created for intimacy with God. This wrecked me a couple weeks ago. In infancy is actually pointed to intimacy. Wrecked me. Wrecked me. Here's a story. I said it Tuesday. I'm going to say it again. Uh, it was like this family, they, they go to the zoo, they see some zebras, and they were talking about the zebras, and the baby zebra, and the, and the mama zebra, and it's a really cool story. Here, here's what happens. So the mom, she gives birth to the, to the baby zebra, and you know, all the stripes in their body, right, they're, they're all so different. There, there's not one zebra alike in stripes. There's a unique pattern. There's, there's a unique configuration of the stripes. So, so before the, the baby zebra goes out into the world to hunt, to just walk with the herd, to just be a part of the group, right? The mom actually takes the baby zebra into a cave, into a dark corner for on three days, and literally the mom and the baby are like eye to eye. They're, they're face to face. Is, you see the cute picture? Do you see the cute picture? I love seeing two puppies have fun. Imagine two zebras. <laughs> two, mama zebra. Here's why they do that, because right here in the center, there's an exact pattern of stripes that distinguishes every single zebra. So the mom spends the early days, the infant days with the zebra, close in proximity so that the baby zebra could learn his mama's print. And that when they leave the cave, and that when they leave and they go out into the world and they go out and, and hunt and the baby grows up, she knows what her mama looks like. She knows what her mama looks like. And I want to challenge you today. Maybe you love Jesus, but do you know him? Do you spend time with him? Is your intimacy connected to your infancy? Is when, when you're small in God, when you're starting in God, to take your relationship with God to another level, you need to remain a child of the Father and stay close to him. And stay close to him. It's kind of hard to build familiarity with God if the only day we get close is Sundays when his spirit sent his spirit was sent not for just Sundays the Holy Spirit was sent to the church for every day that we would take time with the Father and get to know him and have that intimate moment and have that intimate relationship to know who our God is to know what he's doing where he's calling us amen I'm going to talk about 1 Corinthians, and you know the writer of 1 Corinthians is actually Paul. Paul, uh, he's very religious, right? Before he became uh, Paul, his name was Saul, and, and he was actually a really bad guy. Uh, uh, he did some horrific things. He was very religious. He was actually very smart philosophically in, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, he's actually a Jew sent to the Gentiles, right? So he's from, like, the house of God, sent to the world, and, and, and he's actually a Shemite Pharisee. Right? He was there for the killing of Stephen, right? So that's the first martyr in the Bible. Paul kind of was there watching it happen, right? Someone died for the name of Jesus, died for the cause of Jesus. Uh, Paul was kind of there. Well, 
then Saul. He was there watching it happen. He really, he really took pride in killing Christians and, and dividing and breaking down this Jesus and the church that he's trying to build. And, and, and Saul, now Paul, Saul, he, he actually ends up writing 13 letters in the New Testament. He, he's actually laying the foundation of the church, right? So when, when God met Saul, he was Saul of Tarsus, the, the terrorist. And then after Jesus, right, he became Paul. Come on, this big leader, this big foundational church builder, right? And you got to know who Paul is because in this verse, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, hey, it's Paul. Hey, y'all, it's Paul. I love that. He puts Paul, comma, so huge because you got to know who I am. You got to know what I've done. You got to know what I've been through. I haven't been this awesome Jew who grew up in Jewish custom and just loved Jesus and received him. No, I'm actually one of the worst of the worst. I actually used to come against this thing. I actually hated Jesus and hated God and hated all of this. But now Saul, now I'm Paul. God is in me. God is moving through me. And as you're reading this letter, you need to understand who I am. Here's my next idea, because God, God uses me not because of me, but in spite of me. God chooses me not because of me, but in spite of me. In spite of all my issues, in spite of my past, in spite of my failure, in spite of my addiction, God still has a higher calling and a higher purpose. Man, how quick are we to cut off the, the strings of God because of who we used to be? How quick are we to deny that God could use us because of who we used to be and where we used to be and how we used to walk and, and actually what we've been through. No, God doesn't use you because of you. God doesn't choose you because you're talented. God didn't choose you because you're pretty. God chose you not because of you but in spite of you. And the world, the world, wants, the world wants you to be comfortable with not being perfect and just run into everything you feel like doing. Run to everything you feel like doing. My next idea, ultimate slavery disguised as ultimate living is doing what you feel. Ultimate slavery, the world says this is ultimate living. Just do whatever you want. But in reality, that's not living. That is slavery. I, I once made this decision to do this thing, and now I can't go a day without doing it. I once made this decision to talk like this and walk like this and behave like this and now I'm attached to what I'm doing and where I'm at and what's happening. That is not living. That is slavery. Now I'm chained to some things. I was once a choice. I'm chained to some things. That was once a fork in the road. I had to make a decision and I chose my way of living. I chose the world's way of living, of doing what I feel like doing and doing stuff to just, just running away from God. That's not living. That's ultimate slavery. That's ultimate slavery. And God's like, I got a higher calling for you. I got a higher purpose. Can you throw the verse back up? It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, not by the will of the world, not by the will of my job, not by the will of my children, by the will of God, I'm called to this world. And our brother Sosthenes, and he says, to the church of God in Corinth. Here's why this statement is amazing. Because if you know the city of Corinth, you know it's a lot like modern day America, like the society, like this, like theologians, they, they use the word uh, Corinthianized to literally say to sexualize. Like this city was known to, 
just fall into its sexual desires whenever it pleased. This city was known to worshiping other gods and, and, and kind of mixing in Jesus with a, a couple other things. And if you read the book of Corinthians, you know uh, Paul, he's actually writing to settle a lot of confusion. He's writing to show them, hey, you're, you're actually a, a child of God, called to something greater, called to something bigger, but you've settled with what the world says is okay. You've settled with what the world says ide like in their ideology that this is the way you should follow, but this isn't right. And he says to the church of God in Corinth, he's talking about the people who are Christian gangsters. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm still a gangster, though. I still rob people. I still kill people. I still hurt people. But I'm a Christian, though. Some of the people that went to the church of Corinth. Maybe, maybe in this church they have some, some tax collectors, right, that, that received Jesus. And, and now I receive Jesus, but I still steal from people just a little bit. And I still, I'm a little dishonest with what I'm doing and, and everything. And, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. You're not called to be a Christian gangster. You're not called to be a Christian thief. You're called to be a Jesus follower. And I'm writing to the church of God in Corinth, in the middle of that nasty city, in the middle of all this division, in the middle of all this death and lust. I'm writing to the church of God that's in the middle of this city. And I love how he says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Sanctified is another word for holy. Being holy is another word for being set apart. God is calling you to be sanctified, to be set apart. C.S. Lewis wrote in the Screwtape Letters, really amazing. He writes in the perspective of demons, a demon talking to another demon, whether they should kill one of God's children, whether they should manipulate one of God's children. C.S. Lewis, he's an amazing writer, so much imagination. And, and in, this, in these letters, there's a quote I want to throw up. It's so wild to me. This is what, the, this is what the, the, the demons came up with. They're like, hey, instead of killing him, this is what they said, throw the quote up. It says, don't let him die, let him live. Prosperity will knit him to the world. You know what? In this guy's specific situation, we don't got to kill him. We just got to tell him that there's things in the world that he can gain, that there's some things in the world that he can, he can just fall into, that he can just run and be all about possessions and be all about building this life. And when it's, call, it's time for God to call his church, everyone will rise. But his prosperity, his idea of, of, of possessions and, and, and worldly values will knit him to the ground. It will knit him to the world. I came to encourage you, church. You are called to be different. That's my next idea. You are called to be different. And as much as you try to say you're like everybody else, you're not like everybody else. As much in your job you try to say, oh, I'm just one of all these. No, you're not just one of all these employees. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ right where you are at. And you're called to be different, and you're called to be the light. And if everyone's cussing and talking, that, that's, you know, I'm not going that way. I'm, I'm actually going to walk in the, in the light of Jesus Christ. You're called to be different. You're called to be different. Yeah, Will Chamberlain, how many of you guys love basketball? Three of us, amen. We all like soccer. I love basketball. Praying for the Lakers. Amen. Uh, if you know Wilt Chamberlain, he's the only man to score 100 points. Wilt Chamberlain, uh, he actually had a really bad free throw starting off in his career. Really bad. There was actually one guy in the same time as him that he was known for the granny free throw. And the granny free throw is when you grab the ball on two sides and you kind of just, you know what I'm saying? You're, how many of you guys have done the granny free throw before? It, it looks really awkward. It's like one of these. 
You know, like it's really funny. And everyone shoots their free throws like this. But there was one guy, he had the best free throw percentage in the league. And his free throw was underhanded. So Will Chamberlain, right, one of the best players ever, he talks to this guy. He's like, hey, man, I see your, your free throw percentage is great. Mine's is low. Can you teach me how to do the granny shot? And literally, I got to tell you this, literally for around three to four games in Will Chamberlain's career, he started shooting underhanded like a granny. And can I tell you, his free throw percentage skyrocketed. He went from shooting like really bad percent at the free throw to a really good percent. But every time he did that under free throw, people would laugh at him. People would yell at him. People in the news that they'd write that all oh, look at this Will Chamberlain, hundred guy. Yeah, he shoots like a grandpa. You know, what I mean? and they were making fun of him, and there was so much pressure that literally that free throw didn't last five games. He went back to his old shot with worse percentages, with most likely not to even make it. He switched back because of what people thought about him. Because people say if he kept that free throw percentage, his scoring record would have blew everybody out the waters. But he settled because people talked about him, because people laughed at him, because people said he's doing something different. And how many of us in our relationship with God camp out in comfort, serve God only to the point where it calls you to be different, and we camp out right there? No, man. If Jesus was faithful to the cross, I need to be faithful to my cross. If Jesus, see. Jesus is calling you to die to something. You know that? He says, pick up your cross and follow me. Some of you guys have to die to your pride and say, you know what? I'm just going to receive this label of Christian, this label of weirdo, this label of prayer warrior, this label of worshiper, this label of I'm in church every week, this label of you're given to this thing. You can't be given to a church that's weird. I'm going to just get, I'm going to take all of it. Give it all of me. Come on, what else you got to say? Because I know God is listening. What else you got to say to bring me down? Because it won't bring me down. I know I'm called to be different. I know I'm going to be talked about. Jesus said, listen, they hated me. They will hate you too. They talked about me. Worse, they put me on a cross. You will not be received by this world. The spirit that I'm going to send you, the spirit, the world cannot receive it. They don't understand it. But you, you're different. You've heard the message of Jesus and you bowed your knee to say yes to him. The spirit is inside of you and he's living in you. John 15, 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to land the plane. Worship team, come on up. It says, this, this, this verse, it really blows me away. Though you have not seen him, you love him. That's maybe some first-time guests today. This is what we do. This is what we do. I've never physically seen Jesus. But, but, but come on, I, I love him. I met him. He speaks to me. He's alive. Come on, anybody? God speaks to them. God speaks to them. He's alive. He's well. Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is alive and well. He rose on the third day. His tomb is empty. You can go to his tomb. His tomb is empty. There are no bones there. There are no remains. My God, my Jesus, he's in heaven waiting to come back for his church. So though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that's the model of Christianity. That there's not that much you can see, 
but your faith needs to run ahead of you. There's not that much you can see right now. You're probably questioning, maybe your life feels like a cliff. And like this next season was literally you stepping into air. I can't see how God's going to do it. I can't see how he's going to work it. But I have faith that he's doing it. He's my defender. He is my healer. He is my salvation. So when you walk with faith and not by sight, you then receive the salvation of your souls. God's blessing for you, man. You can't, you don't have no, it's eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. There's this picture I believe is the true model of Christianity. Can we throw the picture up? That's, that's it. We're, we're, the, we're, we're the little girl, right? That's us. Holding on to our will. Holding on to whatever we're holding on to. And Jesus is like, if you would just give me what's in your hands. Worship team, come up. Let's do this. If you would just give to me what's in your hands. I know it sounds like a lot. I know it feels like an uneven trade, but I've got something so bigger than where you're at. I got something so huge behind my back. Because here's the thing, the girl's teddy bear, that was once a gift from God. That was once a blessing. And we can receive it and say, God, this is it, I'm here. I'm gonna settle with this job. I'm gonna settle with this income. I'm gonna settle with where I'm at. I'm gonna settle with where my family is. And God's like, I wanna do so much more. If you would just lay down what's in your hands, you would just give it up. Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's your will. Maybe it's you jumping into the purpose of God. Maybe it's you jumping into intimacy with God. And God says, Oh, if you would just give me with what's in your hand, I could give you something so much greater. I can give you something so much bigger. Something you can't even fathom. Something you can't even imagine. Church, God is calling us to a higher calling and a higher purpose. He's calling us to something greater. He's calling us to something greater. Come on, you can thank God for where you're at. Come on, you can make a little noise in the room if you love Jesus. And if this picture represents our lives, come on, that God is still going to be blessing us. That God's still going to be calling us higher. Come on, that God's had a great purpose for us. And he's not done message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.